This is Sportsnet Today with Logan Gordon on your official home of the Flames, Sportsnet 960 The Fan. Forsling has done it. 27 seconds left. It's by Faust. Out to dead center. The Panthers bounce on it. Ekblad at the Kane line. Flips it in. Near corner. Burns reverses. 15 seconds left. Bennett. Kachuk scores! Matthew Kachuk! 12.7 seconds on the clock. The Florida Panthers win game one in quadruple overtime! Yeah, if you stayed up late enough on Thursday, you were treated to the longest game in Florida Panthers and Carolina Hurricanes history. Also the longest game of the 2023 Stanley Cup playoffs. That concluded with that game winner right there off the stick of former Calgary Flame Matthew Kachuk. And the Panthers just continue the Cinderella story of a team that barely made the postseason, upset two original six teams, a President's Trophy winner, and now have a one to nothing lead in their first conference final since 1996. Welcome to the program. Happy Friday. It is Sportsnet Today. It's Logan Gordon along with you. Coming to you live from the Doug Lacey's Basement Systems downtown studios in Calgary, Alberta, Canada. And what a busy show we have for you today. Uh, that piece of news last night that the Panthers picked up a winning game one. Uh, really just a part of what's been going on around the NHL. We obviously have game one of the Western Conference Final coming your way tonight with the Vegas Golden Knights and the Dallas Stars kicking things off. We also have major GM news out of Toronto. You got the reaction live if you were listening earlier on the show or on the station to Jeff Merrick as uh, Elliot Friedman, a regular on his program to kick things off, had the news this morning. Kyle Dubas will not be returning to the Toronto Maple Leafs as the team's GM. Just days ago, Everyone started to wonder about Dubas's future with the team when locker cleanout day came and Kyle came out and said, look, I, I have some conversations that I need to take care of with my family. I don't know if I'm going to be the GM of this team. He did say that if he wasn't going to be the GM in Toronto, he wasn't going to hop onto another team anytime soon. But based on the press release today from the Toronto Maple Leafs, this was a team decision. And the now 37-year-old Kyle Dubas becomes one of the more intriguing free agents for any team looking for a general manager. That, of course, includes the team here in Calgary. What about the Pittsburgh Penguins? A team that has long been linked to Dubas 
should he become a free agent. And now he is, as Brendan Shanahan, the team's president and ultimate governor, announced that the team was parting ways with him. Dubas' contract set to expire on June 30th. In a statement, Shanahan says, quote, I'd like to thank Kyle for his unwavering dedication over the last nine seasons with the organization, including his last five as GM. Kyle fostered a great culture within our dressing room and staff and constantly pushed to make our team better season over season. We wish Kyle and his family the best moving forward and thank him for his valuable contributions. Dubis was well-known in Toronto for guiding the Marlies, the AHL affiliate of the Maple Leafs, to a 2018 Calder Cup. While his first big swing at the NHL level came in the form of one of the biggest, if not the biggest, free agent signing we've seen in NHL history, bringing in John Tavares to Toronto. Adding him to a core that included Austin Matthews, Mitch Marner, William Nylander. Of course, he would oversee their first playoff series victory in 19 years when this year's Leafs ousted the Lightning in six games. But it all came crumbling down quickly, losing in five to Florida. And the future of the front office, the coaching staff, and all of their core stars now seems to be in the wind. Uh, we will hear from President and Alternate Governor of the Toronto Maple Leafs, Brendan Shanahan, a little bit later on in the program. Uh, get some of the Leafs reasoning behind today's moves. Uh, I know a lot of people here in Calgary, the first thing that we want to talk about is... Is there a fit with the Calgary Flames? Uh, it's an interesting, it's certainly interesting timing for it. I can say that much. Do I, my initial thought is, is there a fit there? No. And the only reason I say that is I, I do take Kyle Dubas at his word that this was not a situation that was going to see him jump immediately into another GM chair. I fully believe that if you, didn't listen to what you watched the press conference from Kyle Dubas at locker cleanout day for the Toronto Maple Leafs. It looked like a guy who was exhausted. It looked like a guy who had gone through every possible option in his mind to get this Leafs team over the hump and the best he could manage with Matthews and Marner and all those guys that I listed was one win in the second round. It's clearly something that was wearing on him. I mean, you could see it. Watch five minutes of any Leafs broadcast during the Stanley Cup playoffs, and you would have seen it because the, the cameras were always on Kyle Dubas. You saw the emotion. You saw the struggle that he was going through from the GM chair and how much he had invested. I don't think for a second that this is easy on him. I think he spent a lot of time in that organization trying to win, trying to build the best team possible. And so sometimes it just doesn't work. I, I certainly don't look at the Maple Leafs and, and all of their problems and say that, that Kyle Dubas was the what was the main reason that they struggled at, at some point it's you know almost the same conversation with Sheldon Keith or any other coach that, that's come in to Toronto and it's at some point 
the players have to get it done. And I, I think Kyle Dubas has gone out. I think he had one of his best trade deadlines as a member of the GM, as a, as a GM of the Leafs, I should say. Uh, Ryan O'Reilly adhered himself well. Nolachari had a good postseason. But there are failures on the other side of that. Matt Murray, who was brought in to be this team's goaltender of the future, to fill in as, as fill, didn't fill a spot that's constantly been an issue for the Maple Leafs. Every step of the way, they've really even now a goaltender in Carolina, who's you know getting it done for the Hurricanes, didn't get it done in Toronto. And Freddie Anderson, that was a big move for them during his tenure. They've, they've never been able to figure out that position. Morgan Riley, I think, is a great defenseman. But the, the depth behind him has always struggled in Toronto. So there's certainly imperfections on this team that need to get figured out. But as you've heard from NHL insiders, and look, we've heard a lot of it because Calgary's in the midst of a GM search, that if Kyle Dubas were to become a free agent like he is now, he would be one of the more coveted assets across the league. I think that still remains. As of right now, I, like I mentioned to begin this, I, I think you have to take Kyle Dubas at his word that he's not interested in, in jumping into another GM chair if it wasn't in Toronto. That's why I would sort of, and, and based on the fact too, that I, I think the Flames are, like Francis has said, like Friedman has said, like Saravalli has said, are late in this process. I, I I can't see them wanting to move heaven and earth to, to get a a piece of Kyle Dubas in this process. Maybe I'm wrong on that. I just, I don't know that it's a fit right away. I know a lot of people have jumped on that possibility earlier today. I really, again, again, uh, I go back to this to start it again. I do think Kyle Dubas, when he says I, I'm going to take some time and, you know, be with my family and figure out what we want to do next. I, I fully believe that is the process he's going to be. So for that reason alone, it would take him out of the search for the Calgary Flames. I, I do also think that given where the Flames are in this process, it, it's probably another reason why I think it would be unlikely to assume that Kyle Dubas would be uh, in the running as the next GM of the Calgary Flames. Uh, so that's the big news in Toronto. Like I mentioned, uh, to kick off the second hour, we will hear from uh, President and uh, Alternate Governor Brendan Shanahan of the Toronto Maple Leafs uh, live from his press conference uh, in Toronto as he uh, speaks to the media and explains the decision for the organization to move on from Kyle Dubas today. So we'll uh, be all over that news. We, of course, are going to look ahead to the Dallas Stars and the Vegas Golden Knights tonight, Game 1 of the Western Conference Final coming your way. Really looking forward to that. We'll dive into that with Ken Belke, our pal from Sinbin Vegas. Very intriguing matchup that gets going tonight for both of these teams. Dallas, of course, um, you know, not all that long ago in a Stanley Cup Final in the bubble in Edmonton, but this is a different team led by different players. The Golden Knights have been here before They've been here a lot, actually, over the last couple of years. Why might this year be different for them? What gives Vegas fans something to hope for that uh, the fourth time 
into the conference final is the charm that will hopefully lead to a Stanley Cup victory. We'll dive into all of that with Ken Belke coming up a little bit later. And it's also a Wranglers game day. Don't think we forgot about them. Elimination day for either the Wranglers or the Firebirds. Game five of the Pacific Division final is tonight from Coachella Valley. Series tied at two games apiece. It's been a back-and-forth series for both teams. And tonight we will have a winner. Dustin Wolf coming off a uh, shutout victory in Game 4. We'll look to repeat that success and help the Wranglers move on in this best-of-five series. We'll chat with the voice of the Calgary Wranglers, Sandra Persina, coming up next segment to uh, preview the Coachella Valley Firebirds and the Calgary Wranglers in Game 5 of that series. So make sure you stick around for that. Uh, We've also got that game on your radios tonight following the Jays and the Orioles. 8 p.m. puck drop to listen to the Wranglers and the Firebirds. If you want to watch it, you will need a subscription to AHL TV. Uh, You can do that through their website. I believe it's $8.99 or $9.99 for a... Um, a single day pass where you can buy a longer one for uh, the duration of the AHL playoffs. But if you're just looking for tonight's game, uh, head to the American Hockey League website. Look for AHL TV. They'll be able to get you set up if you want to watch the uh, Firebirds and the Wranglers tonight in game five. Eight ninety nine USD single day. That's not bad. It's a lot what's cheaper the, than... Uh... What's the conversion though, Cam? Hang on. What's the $12 conversion? and 15 cents Canadian you for can one day. That. We can afford that. <laughs> On that radio right. money. Oh, oh yeah. Some, some Wranglers hockey. Or $30 US for the rest of the playoffs. But you gotta be you gotta be confident that the Wranglers are gonna pick up the win. Yeah. Right? Do you not have the confidence? No, that I the do Wranglers have the confidence. I'm just saying they don't. I'm not gonna watch the Coachella Valley Firebirds. Get out of here. Watch Shane Wright not play for a game. Why you got to hate on Shane Wright? It's it's tough for him. I feel bad for him. Shane Wright's played in like 17 different leagues this year. Cam. I feel he bad for him. He doesn't even know him. who his teammates are. Give the guy it's a break. Tough. He's just thriving and vibing. He's not wanted by anyone. Man. He's wanted by some, but not really that many. And if you're wondering what we're talking about, Shane Wright, the uh, fourth overall pick in last year's draft for the Seattle Kraken. He's uh, he's he's in this series, that's for sure. He's there. He is a he is, part of it. He's with the team. He's on the roster. Yeah. Um. He's on the roster. He's been on a lot of rosters. He was on Seattle's roster, kind of, and then he he was definitely on Team Canada's roster. We'll give him that. He yep. captained uh, our guys to a gold medal Did at the great World Juniors. We appreciate that. Then he went back to junior, got traded to Windsor, I want to say. I believe so. Was on that roster, played well, but then they got bounced in four games in the playoffs. And Seattle was like, I really don't know what to do with you. We, we can't have you at the NHL level, so why don't you just go down to Coachella Valley? Which I don't think has anything to do with the actual Coachella Music Festival, but no, it's a separate thing. Same area. Is it? I don't know anything yes. about Coachella. Co- Coachella, so. Coachella is like in Palm Springs, like Coachella Desert. It's a valley. See, that's news to me. I didn't. I didn't. 
I re- really hate that I know it. I'm going to be honest. Well, at least you did. At least somebody knows what's going on around here. That's one of us. The- <laughs> Not surprising that it's you, but to be honest, me and Cam aren't the most reliable sources for anything around here. <laughs> Speaking of which, Cam, how you doing? How you feeling? I'm a little tired. We were uh, a little we tired. talked about that massive OT game last night. You weren't on the show with us yesterday because you got... Uh, I got the call. You got the call up to do the game last night. Yeah. And then our wonderful listeners with some content on the radio. The one game for the NHL that I decided to do, and it's the sixth Longest game in NHL history. That was great. It's fine. I'm I'm good. I slept a little bit. I mean, what else would you do on a Thursday? And I'm not nothing. trying to be. Yeah. No, nothing. Thursday, <laughs> off day. Might as well get paid to do something. Absolutely. This is a good game. It was entertaining. Like the first sixty were good, and then overtime is fun, right? First overtime, everyone's getting the jitters out, and then second overtime, you know, people are starting to get tired. Third overtime really starts to become garbage time. And then fourth is just, I mean, they're just doing cardio. They were doing it for, what, 19 minutes and 46 seconds or something? Apparently, like, there were people still standing with from the start of overtime to the end of the game, cheering. They're just having a blast. Yeah, Chris Cuthbert, play-by-play guy for Sportsnet, uh, covering the series and doing play-by-play. Uh, with Craig Simpson was saying, obviously he's tired today, uh, calling just over just about seven periods of hockey. But he said, yeah, building was about two thirds full towards the end, and everybody was standing pretty much throughout the entirety of overtime. Yeah, people left. They came back because there was that controversial OT. I don't, supposed, know, I don't know if that was a goal or not. Controversial. It wasn't a goal. They called it a goal, and then people walked out. They reviewed it. Said no goal. People came right back in. We're treated with another 60 minutes of hockey. Bonus so, hockey, baby. Gotta love it. We haven't had many of that. And it was funny. Verk mentioned that yesterday on our Thursday program was we haven't had one of those OT games yet that's really piqued our interest. And sure enough, Verk speaks it into existence and it happens. As soon as I saw that guy, I'm sure you guys have seen the the picture rolling around on social media. The guy behind the Hurricanes bench just passed out. <laughs> yeah, That's pretty much what I imagined. Cam, yeah, I thought that was Cam in the studio last night. <laughs> that was. I had my like nice cold tea with me. I had the remnants of whatever snacks I had brought because I thought I was going to be there till like you know nine o'clock, and then like twelve rolls around and you're just like, ugh. And I was long gone, passed out asleep. Where you didn't go through the, you didn't watch the whole game, Taylor? I watched about two minutes of that game, gonna be honest. Really? Yep. I just get a text wow. from Cam at 12 o'clock, and he's just like, I'm tired. I'm like, okay, that sucks. <laughs> I'm tired. <laughs> I was very me. tired. I'm tired. Poor Cam. Going through it. Yeah, it's a tough life, man. <laughs> Feel for you. Oh yeah, buddy. Not really. Appreciate it. But enough. It was entertaining. We'll see what uh what we get tonight. You don't have to work the game tonight, so you don't have to worry about it. We're uh we're not taking the uh well actually we've seen a long OT game between the Wranglers and the Firebirds. Yes. So who's in tonight? Is it our pal Azam working it tonight? So maybe he gets It the, is our uh, buddy Azam tonight. 
Maybe he gets the uh, assignment for the long. They can give him a few overtimes. Overtime session. Was that game three that went super long? One of them. One of them did. Yeah. <laughs> uh, a couple of texts at 960-960. Game three, triple overtime. Yeah, exactly. Uh, lots of reaction. We'll get more into this, like I said, on the Kyle Dubas situation. Um, him being uh, part of, I guess, being released by the Toronto Maple Leafs as their GM today. Um, talking about it a bit, too. Of course, eh, I'm not trying to shoot anything down. I don't know anything. I'm not an NHL insider. I don't claim to be one. Uh, when I come on here, I, I give you my opinion. I don't I don't see a fit between Calgary and Dubas the way it is. If you feel more content about it and you feel as though that's something the Flames should explore, you'd want them to explore, I don't think it's not. I don't think it's the craziest thing to expect, but I just feel, given where they are at their search, given what Kyle said about his future, if it's not going to be in Toronto, then I don't see a fit right now for the Flames, but who knows? Uh, this one says, duh, 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 duh. Uh, this one says zero chance. Kyle's not coming here. Uh, this one says both Brad and Kyle are smart, young, hardworking, innovative GMs whom if their records are scrutinized critically and in an unbiased manner did a mediocre jobs during their tenure at best, they'll both learn from this experience and do a much better job with their next crack at it, which will be soon. Uh, I do think Kyle Dubas and, and Brad Schlemming both have interesting stories um, and mistakes to look back on. Um, Dubas in different ways. Um, you know, the biggest thing for Kyle Dubas, I think, sometimes was drafting, asset management, those sort of things. And a lot of it will come and be based on, you know, where you are. If you see yourself as a Stanley Cup contender and... um in that sort of window to win, then you're always going to be making moves, you know, for the now and not for the future. I think that's certainly an area that Brad Living would look better on over his years. But yeah, I don't think any GM or either of these guys were necessarily perfect. Uh, what else we got here at 960960? By the way, the fan feedback line, as many of you already know, is open to you uh, all day here on Sportsnet today. We love... Uh, if you're listening live, just shoot us a text at 960-960. Uh, this one says, Now I'm super happy the Leafs went around because it's too late for this uh, zero accomplishments GM to be hired here. This one says, Dubas with his record in Toronto, do we need another GM that can't lead your team to a Stanley Cup? In Toronto, he had almost unlimited resources. Calgary might be different financially from Toronto as well. Flames need to do the reverse Toronto, hire their AGM, and he can hire Dubas or should we hire their GM and he can hire Dubas as his assistant? Um, this one says the Flames don't need another GM to mishandle the cap. Fair enough. And this is another one here. Uh, Dubas mismanaged his cap. He was hired young, never lived through a recession. He's undoubtedly learned, but let's stick with a guy like Conroy. Uh, so there's just a bit on the fan feedback line 960, 960. Uh, it's the big news today that the Toronto and and look maybe Brad Living's an instant candidate for Toronto. That's the other half of this that's going to be looked at. I know we've talked about the Flames seemingly resistance to Brad interviewing for different jobs. I don't know if it would be any different if they'd feel different uh, if Toronto were to reach out. But I think if I was the uh, 
If I was Brendan Shanahan and the Toronto Maple Leafs today, Bradshaw Living would certainly be a candidate that would interest me, given what he did in Calgary. Um, whether that happens or not, whether that's the direction that Brendan Shanahan wants to go, I don't know. But maybe we'll hear uh, more of that uh, later on today when we hear from Brendan Shanahan. Remember, that's coming up just to uh, kick off Hour 2 uh, of the program today. We will hear from the President and Alternate Governor of the Toronto Maple Leafs, Brendan Shanahan, and his decision to, uh, to let uh, to part ways, I should say, with now former Leafs GM Kyle Dubas. We need to take a break. We'll get out of here. Uh, first segment is in the books. When we come back, Sandra Prasina, the voice of the Calgary Wranglers. She's in Coachella Valley getting set for tonight's matchup. Game five, Wranglers and Firebirds. Somebody's moving on. One of these teams is finally going to get the upper hand in what's been a back-and-forth season series between these two teams. Let's check in with the voice of the Wranglers next here on Sportsnet 960, The Fan. You're listening to Sportsnet Today with Logan Gordon on the home of the Flames. Sportsnet 960, The Fan. Pelche rims it around the boards, waiting for it at the blue line as Schwint finds Phillips. Looking for a pass, Pelche cross ice, Dryden Hunt to Schwint, and they score! Calgary gets on board first. Cole Schwint on the power play in the second period. That game winner from Cole Schwint in game four got us to this deciding game five Friday night in Coachella Valley. It's the Wranglers. It's the Firebirds. Winner moves on. Loser goes home. That's how we love it, and we're looking forward to this one tonight. Should be a great matchup. The Wranglers look to continue their storybook season from the top of the American Hockey League with a win in the fifth in deciding game of the Pacific Division Final. The uh, wonderful lady calling the game. You just heard that Cole Schwint goal. Uh, the voice of the Calgary Wranglers, Sandra Persina. She'll be on your radios tonight for an 8 o'clock puck drop. Wranglers and Firebirds. She's also joining us down the Atlas Beach and Sports Bar guest hotline right now from Coachella Valley to get us set for tonight's matchup. Sandra, thank you as always for doing this. How are you today? I'm doing well, bud. How are you? Thanks for having me. Uh, thank you for the time as always. I'm doing great. Uh, how is the uh, the weather in your part of the world right now? It's very hot. It <laughs> is 31 degrees, and that actually seems kind of cool. The other day, I think we got close to 40, and for somebody that's essentially lived in Calgary all her life, well, you know the rest. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, no kidding. Uh, so uh, good weather, at least. For, uh, so probably some different hockey weather than you're ever used to, right? Even in the long playoff runs for the Flames during the spring, it never gets close to that hot. No, and kind of take it for granted because we'll go to a Flames playoff game or a Wranglers playoff game, and you see people wearing shorts, and then they acclimate themselves nicely to the saddle dome. But it's kind of interesting here where – I'll share this story. So people here obviously decked out in, in shorts and sundresses and all that. And then you go to the arena. It's cold, naturally. I mean, especially here, you need to keep the ice frozen at all times. And the first game when we were here on Monday, people had blankets and stuff. <laughs> and they, they just couldn't acclimate to the coldness of the actual arena. They said this is freezing and we're calling the game in short sleeves. And we, we know what it's like to be at an arena, but I think we our bodies are already regulated to those temperatures. 
And yeah, they it felt like we were out at a Stampeders game or something where people have got their blankets and they're laid out down in the rows. And yeah, it's it's an interesting it's an interesting hockey vibe here. That's funny. That's so it's always cool to to see those differences and to see how it, it goes for a different part of the world. And uh, you've been there for a couple of days now, obviously, Sandra, with three uh, games three and four. Uh, already in Coachella Valley. Now you're getting set for uh, for tonight's matchup in Game Five, and really, uh, I immediately went back to our conversation before the series started. We assumed it was going to be a close series, and with the exception of Game One in Calgary, Sandra, it's just same old, same old between these two teams. There's just not much between them, and it really winds up being either a one goal game or a two goal game most of the time that these two teams match up. That's exactly it. I think the blueprint was already there as we were heading into this series, and we talked about it. I mean, you look back at that regular season series, eight games played. It was split down the middle, 4-4. Calgary a little bit better on the road. Coachella Valley a little bit better in Calgary. But at that point, we're just nitpicking, and the goalies have been phenomenal in this series. Dustin Wolf, obviously, with his first shutout of the postseason last game, he made 27 saves. Also have to acknowledge the work of Joey Decord, particularly in that triple overtime game on Monday, the first overtime. He made 19 saves. Calgary absolutely had the ice tilted, peppering him, and he was unfazed. So the goaltending really needing just the accolades, I think, in this series. And the best players are turning to be the best players. You've got Matthew Phillips playing really well. Jeremy Poirier, Jacob Pelche has been able to up his level a little bit, but you played the clip earlier, Cole Schwint, he's a guy that's certainly making the most of his ice time because he's been elevated to that top line with Peltier and Phillips and has found a really good role there as a, a two-way center who knows how to play the game 200 feet, and he's getting rewarded with time on the power play, and uh, I'm not sure if people saw the actual broadcast so you could see the video of the goal, but he's got a quick release on his shot and that first power play unit just doing such a good job of distributing the puck. And he's a finisher, and I, I think that he's an underrated finisher. So if people are always – we talk about the trade, right, last summer's trade, and you've got all of these different pieces. I just think he needs to be part of the discussion because he – could potentially have a really good two-way player there that could translate to the NHL. How important do you think it was for Dustin Wolf to, to find a shutout in this series and sort of, uh, he certainly wasn't bad at any point this Sandra, uh, this series, Sandra, but I think it's, it's one of those things that could only be a confidence booster for a guy who we already know can be such a difference maker for this series. Yeah. And he always wants to move on to the next thing, right? Whether it be the next, save the next period the next game and he's fueled and motivated by he even told us he's motivated by haters he loves when people chant his name in the arena and tell him that he sucks and he just always wants to prove people wrong and he's been doing that his entire career and we saw it last game he was so dialed in and he was fiery he was absolutely fiery he didn't want anybody in his crease he was hacking and whacking away at anybody who was in his blue paint he's just dialed in he's just a, a marvel to watch too because he comes to the arena early and he just sits there at the bench and he visual, visualizes regardless of what arena it is whether it be the saddle dome or abbotsford center and now at Akershire arena he's just dialed in and he i think was the unsung hero of the last game on wednesday night and i think the players knew 
even though that they were dialed in on the game very defensively, best defensive performance we've seen from them the entire postseason, but they knew that he had their back in case something did leak through. Luckily, they were so good standing up on that blue line, particularly when Joey Decord got pulled and it was a six on five and they were just sort of supporting each other. And he's been great. Uh, another guy that's really stepped up for the uh, Wranglers in this series. And all of a sudden you look at the top scores, you mentioned Phillips and Pelche. Uh, time to throw the third P in there. This one's for Poirier. Uh, seven points now in eight playoff games for the youngster. And, He's always been one of the interesting ones, Sandra, ever since he was drafted. And I know because you and me had these conversations and you hear from a guy like Peter Labardius, who's with us all the time and says, look, there's just something about the way he goes about his business. And you've watched him throughout his first pro season. The more that this guy gets experience, the more he seems to excel. And that seems to be kind of how it's happened in the postseason. Now that he's got some games under his belt, it looks like that Jeremy Poirier we saw as the season went on as well. Yeah, and don't forget, I mean, he's got a championship pedigree, too, through junior and winning the Memorial Cup, so he knows what it takes to go on a long run and how close the games can be and everything that you need to do to win. And, of course, there's always talk about, okay, he needs to round out his game, but he's still a rookie, and this is his first professional season. And there are some games out there where he just looks like he's been playing in the pro game forever. He knows when to rein it in. If there's an opportunity for him to wheel up the ice and make the play, he's going to do it. But let's throw the other P in there, and that's Colton Pullman. And he plays on the second pairing with Jeremy Poirier. And together, they've really formed a nice two-man unit in a sense where Pullman allows Poirier to have a little bit of a bigger leash and to show his offensive flair, whether it be five-on-five, maybe on the power play when he's quarterbacking that second unit, but even strength, I think just the pairing of Pullman and Poirier works so good together because they know what the other is going to do in one. You have a true stay at home defenseman. And in the other, you have a rookie blue liner who's got all the offensive talent in the world. Just love how he's come to play and he likes playing big minutes. He likes the spotlight. I think Flames fans really, as Peter said, like I'll, I'll underscore everything that Peter has said. And he he's an encyclopedia when it comes to any sort of <laughs> hockey player. But, yeah, I, I've seen it with my own eyes, 72 games and plus now with this young man. Uh, what surprised you or what's caught you about uh, Coachella Valley? Obviously, we, we talked about the season series, eight games between these two teams. They split it 4-4. I guess we shouldn't be surprised that the series in four games has been split, but what is it about this Coachella Valley team, Sandra, that makes them so difficult to play? Well, number one, Joey Decord, he's been fantastic for them, started every game for them this postseason. He seems to be fueled by more shots on goal. The more shots you take, the better he gets, and it takes him going maybe laterally or pucks really down low in the dirty areas to beat him. So he's impressed me. But the depth of this roster and the fact that you take a look at the American Hockey League postseason statistics right now, and essentially every category is dominated by players on Coachella Valley, whether it be Cole Lynn, their captain, Max McCormick, Riker Evans. We saw him score the overtime winner, Calgary Kid. He's been fantastic. Cameron Hughes up to 11 assists. But the one thing that really stands out to me, and I remember Azam asked me this question at the end of last game, where's Shane Wright? 
And he was actually a healthy scratch with Andrew Podorowski coming back. And then you've got some reinforcements, obviously, coming from the Kraken with Ty Cartier rejoining the group. And it's interesting. Like, Shane Wright obviously has that first-round pedigree. A lot of people thought he was going to go first overall in last year's draft. And I think he's essentially been a bit of a non-factor, if it's fair for me to say that. It's Maybe he's not being put in the exact role. Dan Bilesma perhaps doesn't want to put him in a top six role. He's more so playing on the third line, but he's been essentially a bit invisible to me. And I, I know we commented on it during the broadcast. It's You expect him to be a difference maker like he was during his junior days, but really haven't seen that. Of course, he's young, so you don't want to put that kind of pressure on him. But at the same time, Coachella Valley, a very deep roster and you see that this is a the Seattle Kraken organization. They're obviously taking it very seriously to not only have a successful NHL team, but to have a successful development plan here in the American Hockey League. And you, you look at their coaching hire and somebody with a resume like Dan Bilesma, they bring in someone like Jessica Campbell, who I can only speak the world of knowing her as a player and as a coach. So they're very serious about winning with this organization, whether it be at the American Hockey League level or the NHL. And it's interesting to go back to Shane Wright because it's something that you and me talked about before because I said to you, I remember when you were in the studio with us here getting ready for this series, and I said, I wonder what Shane Wright you know, does in this series. Is he going to be an X factor? Is he going to, to be an afterthought? And it turns out, like you mentioned, he's sort of been more secondary. And it's funny because... I think we always, you're right, when you have that first-round pedigree, a top-five pick, we always assume that, you know, you're going to be a big part of it. But as I mentioned, you know, to you and to the, I was talking to the producers about this earlier too, is, you know, all of, most of his success this year has come either at the World Juniors or when he was with Windsor following that time. It kind of feels like a guy that's still very young into the, the pro aspect of it, and you can't really blame Seattle or, I guess in this case, Coachella Valley for wanting to bring him up the right way and if he's not ready for it then he's not ready for it as the Calder Cup playoffs it just might mean sitting out a couple games yeah and it's certainly not the worst thing in the world to have that kind of talent and want to take him up the slow way rather than just thrusting him into the spotlight whether it be in the NHL or the AHL this is probably the right way to do it because I just think back to Dan Bilesma and the talent that he had in Pittsburgh and the way that everything was essentially brought up the right way. So certainly not the worst thing in the world. And I think for somebody like Shane Wright, he can learn from a lot of the experienced players on this particular Coachella roster. They're high-end talent. Maybe they haven't been able to translate it to the NHL, kind of call them tweeners, I guess, is the best way to describe them. But there's a lot of talent on this roster, and there are a lot of players he can learn from both offensively gifted and if he's trying to work on that you know bottom part of his game which is the 200 foot and learning that you still have to do the hard work in your own zone you have to win those draws especially as a center I mean you're going to be counted on as the one coming back and doing some nitty-gritty so certainly not the worst thing in the world he's very young so we'll see how that translates translates eventually (laughs) it's not like I'm not trying to to make this all about Shane Wright or anything you know to bring him down but it's not like they've missed him that much, Sandra. They've been pretty good even when he's yeah. not in the lineup. Oh, the, the depth of this roster is ridiculous. The top line, uh, top nine, excuse me, I'd probably say 
out of the entire American Hockey League, it probably is the best top nine in terms of skill and putting up numbers and the fact that you can roll out Cole Lind and then you can roll out Alexander True. Jeremy McKenna, who's actually comes from Canmore, didn't know a lot about his story. He had essentially played mostly in the East Coast Hockey League and he joins Coachella Valley and here he is nine points in 12 games during the postseason really found a niche in that top nine. Carson Torinsky has been, we saw him do it for the Hitman for a number of years. I mean, he brings a little bit of nitty and gritty, but he's got some hands in, in tight. So the roster is very deep and you throw in Ty Karche, who <laughs> I think he ended up with five points in mm-hmm. the Stanley cup playoffs. I mean, he was great. So to have, that wealth of riches, uh, things are going pretty well here for Coachella for the foreseeable future, definitely. Sandra Prasino is along with us. She is the color voice, or she's the radio voice, excuse me, of the uh, Calgary Wranglers. They're heading into Game 5 of the Pacific Division Final against Coachella Valley tonight in the Pacific Division Final. Looking forward to this one. It'll be on your radios at 8 o'clock tonight here on Sportsnet 960, The Fan. Uh, okay, Sandra, so Game 5, obviously, do-or-die mentality. First time a lot of these... Uh, Calgary Wranglers have been in this sort of position. What do you look for from the Wranglers side of things heading into this one? When they've picked up wins in this series, what's gone right for them? Well, I think the most important thing, Logan, will to be lean on your experienced players. Clark Bishop, he's won a Calder Cup before. Lean on Brett Sutter. He has over 1,000 AHL games. Kevin Rooney has impressed me from the minute that he joined the Wranglers back in December and that that trio the third line lean on them they can do a lot of heavy lifting for this group and then just keep uh, one thing uh, I, I want to underscore is the fact that they played such a good game specialty teams Wednesday night try and translate that again stay out of the penalty box penalties are inevitable in any hockey game but be smart about it right don't take penalties 200 feet away from your net don't take goaltender interference just play smart and I I really like something that Cole Schwint said after Calgary lost game one and he said we have a lot of heart in that room so lean on the players with experience winning championships. Someone like Jeremy Poirier, he might not have a very long professional hockey resume, but he's got a championship pedigree as well as Yan Kuznetsov. They've won a Memorial Cup together, so they know what it takes to win. And there is a good core of this group that went on a long run last year as members of the Stockton Heat, led by Mitch Love. So lean on what you already know. At the end of the day, what happened in this series, what happened in the regular season, what's already happened in the playoffs, it doesn't matter anymore. It's a moot point at this at this juncture. There's one game to go, play another 60-minute effort. Uh, and I guess uh, just a couple more for you, starting with the, the one guy you mentioned there, Mitch Love, and it just he never seems to be rattled at any, at any point, Sandra. He seems to have a really calming influence on this group, and I can only imagine something like that would be extremely helpful for this group heading into tonight where it is do or die. Yeah, you've got a coach there that holds his players accountable, but is also in their corner and will go to bat for them. So I think just this entire coaching staff has such a good grip on this group and they understand who's going if there is a tough decision that needs to be made. It's not easy at the end of the day, you take somebody like Nick Malosh out of the lineup. That's more of a veteran guy. And you give the opportunity to someone like Christians Rubens 
or insert Yan Kuznetsov again. You give him a break, you put in Josh Brook. Some of the adjustments that they've made with the forward lines, elevating Cole Schwint. I mean, Mitch Love knows when someone is going and how he can reward them. And uh, Cole Schwint, I think, is a really good example of that, making that adjustment with Ben Jones. And he'll take some more, um, you know, bottom six minutes. It just, he has such a good pulse on this team. And I think that this group really likes playing for him. And uh, crazy to think, Sandra, with a win tonight, it uh, only puts them into the Western Conference final. Still another series to go before we talk about the finale potentially for this team. And obviously that would be a, a Calder Cup playoff uh, trophy. I don't want to get too far ahead of ourselves, but it's always interesting. You and me have talked about the differences between the AHL and the NHL and a lot of people in Calgary learning about those nowadays because the Wranglers have moved into town and you want to get a look at it. It's always interesting to me. It feels like we've been at this for a very long time and it feels like maybe the next one would be you know, off to the final, but you still got one more series to go if you can get past Coachella Valley tonight. And what's fascinating about it, Logan, is the fact that regardless of who wins the other series, Milwaukee, Texas, that series is 2-1 for Milwaukee. Calgary hasn't played any of those teams this season. So when you look, they played obviously everybody in the Pacific and then played one Central Division team. That was Manitoba, played them, I believe, four times two times in Winnipeg, two times in Calgary. That's it. So outside of the division, there was just the one team. So you're going to go into potentially, if you win, you're, if the Calgary Wranglers do win, they will be in unknown territory. You can watch all of the film that you want, but there's nothing like playing a team. And I think that is probably the most fascinating thing about the American Hockey League is that there will be unknowns once you get to that Western Conference final. Well, here's hoping we have that Western Conference final to talk about, Sandra. Uh, enjoy the game tonight. Enjoy the rest of your afternoon in uh, the hot and humid conditions that you've got out there. But uh, we know you'll have a great call tonight, and we'll be looking forward to listening to it later on. And uh, like I said, hopefully we have a, a Western Conference final to chat about instead of a season-ending chat. But uh, enjoy the rest of the day. Thanks, as always, for doing this, Sandra. My pleasure, bud. Have a good day. Yeah, you too. Sandra Persina, the voice of the Calgary Wranglers, joining us down the Atlas Pizza and Sports Bar guest hotline. Getting you set for Game 5 of the Pacific Division Final. It is the Calgary Wranglers, the Coachella Valley Firebirds, fighting for an opportunity to get to the Western Conference Final of the AHL's Calder Cup playoffs. Yes, if the Stockton Heat, or excuse me, I keep doing that. I'm going to do like a swear jar every time I do that. It's been like um, a year. I know, I can't get over it. Uh, you speak at 10,000 useless words a day, and you <laughs> get messed up. The Wranglers, should the Wranglers win today, uh, yes, it just puts them into the Western Conference Final. They'd still have to get through that series, and then they would be into the uh, Calder Cup Final. So still potentially two more series to go, uh, but hopefully a focus on a win tonight for Mitch Love and his crew, and we can look forward to that series after the long weekend. Again, it is an 8 p.m. puck drop uh, right here on Sportsnet 960, the fan Wranglers and Firebirds. If you'd like to listen to the game, if you want to watch it, AHL TV has a one-day pass. You said it was eight ninety-nine American cam for that. That's correct. Uh, or a just over a ten or Canadian playoffs was thirty something. Forty USD okay. for the rest of the playoffs. Okay, so uh, a couple options there if you'd like to watch the game, but uh, if you're cruising around or would like to uh, listen, make sure to tune in tonight. Eight o'clock puck drop with Sandra on the call right here on Sportsnet nine sixty. The fan. We'll take a break. Uh, come back in hour two. We got to look forward 
to the Western Conference Final in the NHL. Ken Belke from Sinbin Vegas is going to join us to preview the Stars and the Golden Knights. And we'll hear from Brendan Shanahan, the president and alternate governor for the Toronto Maple Leafs, on their decision to let go of Kyle Dubas earlier today. All of that and more coming up in hour two right here on Sportsnet 960 The Fan.